Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey guys, I'm Bo with Running Light. I'm Peter. And that's Peter. And we are in our new little studio. It's kind of <laughs> cool. Like, I, I got to get closer to you, though, dude. Like, you got to get closer to me. You can't be shy. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of... It's not we, as large as your ch- old desk. <laughs> no, we changed uh, locations, so this is kind of the new spot that we got right now. But it's great. We got this beautiful picture behind us of... I don't know what that is, it's but let's kind of let's kind of move <laughs> this like that. Yeah, this is my office. So, <laughs> look at that! Look at that, dude! What is that? We don't know. <laughs> anyway, Running Light Ministry stands for um, running unencumbered by the weight of sin, and and we get that from the Book of Hebrews, chapter twelve, that talks about throw off the weight of sin. And really what Running Light deals with is the areas of sexual immorality as it's defined um, in the Bible. So that's kind of what we do and what we talk about. And that's what these podcasts are all about. Um, And they're kind of interesting in that Peter and I get a chance to really take this time to kind of go over a lot of different topics, you know, when it comes to sexual things. And so we really focus on three different aspects, I think, of this topic um, in the ministry. And that is we talk about sex, sexuality, and sensuality. And so you're going to hear those different kind of components in everything that we talk about. So sometimes we'll be talking about sex as in just straight up sex. Sometimes we'll be just talking about sexuality and how we uh, think about our sex um, and our identities and things of that nature and then we'll talk about sensuality too or the the way we feel attractive and joy and all that from from being sexual beings so uh, we kind of discuss all those topics Um, for those that don't know running light has we've put out um well you've been a ministry for i don't know maybe 12 13 years now in Tucson, Arizona, and we both are ministers. We both are pastors at uh, a Calvary Chapel in Tucson, Arizona. Um, I've been a minister for 25 years now. It's hard to believe. Peter's been one for I don't know how long. Five, seven, seven, seven six, years. seven years. Wow, yeah. dude, time is flown. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> I know. And we put out. Uh, we have different writing material. I mean, you could always go to our website, which is Calvary dot org. Um, and check that out but we've put out different books too we have like our main uh kind of uh kind of a basics workbook that we put out peter just put out this ganga massive beast of a workbook um which is it's awesome and uh and the reason why this one's so cool because this one's more specific like if someone really wants to kind of just get the basics of okay you know i need to work on an area especially something like pornography or something like that and and you know you get this and you can kind of get through some really cool just basic principles and maybe some application of how to help out but this one is for anybody this one's for any person any person who's in the christian world uh wanting to walk with the lord and and deal with what we call sin, then um, this is this is the workbook, and this one's this one's really short. It's only a whopping <laughs> like um, I don't know, hundred ninety-five, two hundred page workbook. I mean, hey, Peter, why don't you <laughs> go light? <laughs> 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 Sorry, man. <laughs> I know. So um, uh, yeah, so Peter put out the workbook, and and Peter, what? How would you describe your workbook? Uh, well, it's kind of like what you said. It's a uh, it's a workbook that I, I kind of took a little step back from what we primarily deal with, which is uh, sexuality and sensuality. And I wanted to talk about sin as a whole. And uh, I think there was a couple motivations behind that. Uh, the first one was I realized that we didn't have anything, any material that could be um, looked at by both husbands and wives. Usually we had material for like, you know, one person struggling with sexual sin and the other person struggling with, you know, forgiving them. But there was no book that they could go through together. And in my time of counseling, and I know for you as well, Bo, there's kind of like a frustrating 
nature to that Mm -hmm. because usually what you'd have is you'd have you know the person who is trying to get uh free from sexual sin and the other person's kind of like well i don't understand you know i don't understand why you can't just stop i don't understand like why you can't just you know uh not lust anymore and what you and i usually had to do is we had to be like well like you know why can't you just stop you know being upset or why can't you just stop you know like eating or why can't you just stop uh being insecure you know like it, that's how you stop works. all the fear in your life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right and it like it usually takes a couple sessions for us to like really help someone understand that all sin is rooted in us like all sin is um it's so rooted in us that even though we don't want to do it yeah. we're doing it anyway yeah and it's so difficult we what we found is it's so difficult to help a spouse understand that mm-hmm. because usually in their minds they're like no this is an intentional attack against me like when you view porn that's an intentional attack against me because you're not satisfied with our marriage you don't love me you don't care about me yeah and we're always trying to show them like no it's not necessarily true yeah. you know it could be true but yeah. it's not necessarily true right and so i wanted to write a book to, to help both partners kind of understand where sin comes from, how it operates and acts within our lives uh, so that there could be like greater communication understanding. So like there would be actual like open dialogue mm-hmm. between the two, uh, the two in the marriage where they could be like, oh yeah, like now I kind of understand that you struggle with that. I struggle with these things, but we both struggle. And this is like the stuff we need to be doing in order to grow in our relationship with God. Uh, the other reason why I did it is because me and you had been seeing like an increase in addiction talk where it seemed like, you know, anyone who views even a little bit of porn was being labeled like a sex addict or a porn addict. And I didn't understand why that was happening. And we saw it as a very negative thing. I still see it as a very negative thing that we're using such loaded and harsh terms to identify people. You know, some people who, you know, some teenagers who just like view porn every now and then, which is pretty normal for a teenager to do. Um, it's definitely sinful. It's definitely not good, but it's definitely very natural. It's very, very normal for a teenager to do that and to label them with something as harsh as like a sex addict or a porn addict is very destructive. And so I started researching why Christians were using terms like that. Um, and basically one of the main reasons that I found is that for a lot of Christians, they had been trying their hardest to try to help the world understand what the word sin was without using the word sin. So it's like if I'm going to get this person over here who's an atheist to care about sexual sin issues, I can't tell him like, hey, man, you're committing sexual immorality. Because if I tell him that, like, he doesn't care. He doesn't have the same standards that I do, and he doesn't care about what God thinks about his sexuality. So instead, if I use the term, you have a sex addiction, then I've put him in conflict with his own self-interest. Now he's like, oh, my gosh, like, that's serious. I need to work on that. But the issue is, is that what we as Christians believe is that our ethical morality, the ethical morality of the Bible was never intended to make us good people. The ethical morality of the Bible was intended to show us that we're not ethical or moral and that we're in need of a savior. So if I say to someone, you're a sex addict, all I've really done for them is help them understand that they have a negative behavior. But all they're really going to do is now work on that so that they could better their own life. Uh, But in reality, what I want people to understand is I want people to understand that, no, like you have an issue against your creator, you know, like if there was no creator, why is porn wrong? You know, why is, why is it wrong to do these things? Well, it's not really wrong to do these things, but if there is a creator and he did make you for a purpose and a reason, and he did design your sexuality for a glorious potential, um, and you're not using it for that potential, then you're dishonoring him in your sexuality and God would want you to come in line with his glory. So that, that's why we use words like sin. So I, I talk about that in the first chapter where, where it goes. Um, I also get into topics like pride. Um, I find that a lot of the modern day, you know, both me and you, we talk a lot about this stuff, but I find that we find that a lot of the, the modern day kind of um, uh, sex addiction help and all these workbooks and stuff that are out today, they do a lot for helping people with their sexual issues, but they don't do anything for their pride issues, meaning that they, they actually tend to puff people up more uh, because they're like, you know, you don't want to do these things because if you do it, it's gross, it's sinful, it's wrong, it's wicked. You know, you're going to get an STD, you're going to get an unplanned pregnancy, you're never going to have sex the way that God intended, it's going to be lame, you're going to hate your sex life when you get married if you have sex before marriage. And we're hearing all these things, but all those all those arguments, all they do for someone listening to them is it puffs them up. 
because that means if you're accomplishing all those acts, that makes you a better person. It means that you're a more righteous person, a more profound person, a more sexually right person. And so it just makes you more proud. And what I try to show in that chapter is that, no, 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 pride is the root of our sin issues. And if we're not attacking pride, we're not gaining any ground whatsoever. God would rather you be a prostitute than a Pharisee. Um, he would rather you be an either, but I mean, if he had to choose, he would definitely rather you be a prostitute than a Pharisee. And that's what we see in Jesus' earthly ministry. Then I kind of go over the biblical idea of love. I go into the ideas of repentance. What is repentance? How does it look? How does it work? Um, laziness, uh, how that prevents us from growing in God. Lust. That's a cool. General. That's a cool title. That's a cool <laughs> chapter. Laziness. <laughs> I know. That's the one we're going through in the men's group right now on Tuesdays, and it's so fun, man. Like the, I love that chapter. Mm-hmm. It's such a good chapter, man. It convicts me every time. <laughs> uh, but then I go into the idea of lust as in general, and I show that lust is lust can be everybody lusts, but it's just we might lust in different ways, you know. Like so, you may not have sexual lust but you might lust in your vanity, meaning that you lust for approval and praise of others, Mm. or you might lust in your career. You might be very greedy uh, of wanting more success and defining your identity around your success. Um, You might be uh, very lustful towards your kids, not in a sexual way, but lustful towards your kids, meaning that you see your success and your identity as a being, as a person, based on how your kids act and behave. And so you have so much fear in raising them because you're, you're terrified that if they mess up, it's going to reflect badly on you. Or you might lust in your eating habits or you might lust in, you know, and there's all these different ways. And so what I try to show is that although we all lust in different ways, the root is still the same. Like we still have the same root of lust and where it comes yeah. from. So what's great about your workbook, your 200-page <laughs> workbook that you put out and it's on Amazon. You can go to Amazon.com and just put in Peter Martin, um, and you could put Rooted, and it'd probably come pop right up. But um, I think what's good about it is over the years in Running Light, you, you know, there's all these themes that keep popping up, and and you all know them out there. You all know the. You probably have thought of them before too. Um, and Peter kind of hones in on all these these things, and 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 I think it's kind of a workbook too, where it's do- totally different than like most quote recovery, especially like sex addiction workbooks. Um, it's definitely not like that. Uh, it, it's so different, and it's not like that workbook that's going to be like, man, if you do this, then you'll be free, and then you know, for five years, yeah. you'll be free, and then you'll really be free. <laughs> you know, it's not like that at all. Yeah. This is this is much more um, logically thought out, and um, and uh, I think biblically thought out. And it really reveals, uh, um, you know, those issues that really a lot of people just don't want to go there Mm -hmm. and and don't want to really think about. Um, And usually, you know, when someone, you know, is wrapped up in any kind of sexual sin, there's so much fear, there's so much insecurity, there's so much um, uh, things that are going on and and. And and you forget about those things in light of the offense mm. of 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 whatever that person did, mm. you know, and and you kind of hone in on all those other things like fear and insecurities and all those things. So it's for anybody. I mean, anybody could read this. I don't even think Peter uses the uh, really term sexual immorality uh, all that often in the book. No. Um, it's uh it, it it can be given just to anybody so if you're just out there and you just go man i just want to grow in my walk with god in a deeper way and and kind of comb through things in a really more deep specific way um in you know when it comes to recovery um you know this book definitely would would help someone out you know, and it helps me out. I mean, it's things that we, we talk about all the time. So, um, and that kind of thing. So, you know, running light is definitely different on some of our takes. Anybody who's been around us knows that we kind of have different takes on different things. And, um, you know, so, um, 
you know, that's what that workbook's all about. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So, and then we have a book on Ezekiel, too. We're talking mm-hmm. about workbooks, and we did one on Ezekiel, which is kind of a short book. Yeah. But it's one, we have like 11 chapters in there, and that, that workbook is just dealing with the book of Ezekiel. And some of the things that come up in that that book of the Bible that really is kind of unique to the areas of sexual immorality mm. and uh, kind of bring up some good discussions. So we thought, oh, we'll just put together these little studies in, on Ezekiel and we'll put them in a book. And really, if you think about it, we could do that with all kinds of things. We could probably take every book of the Bible almost and probably like if we started with Genesis and we started doing a workbook on the book of Genesis, man, it would be a a pretty gnarly workbook, you know, because I mean, let's face it. You got you got you got pretty porned out dudes in the book of Genesis. You know, you got Lot. He's. He's totally doing the incest thing with his daughters yeah. or his daughters doing it with, with dad, which is a whole genre of porn. And when I was teaching at Pima College the other day, you know, one of the topics that I give the students at Pima College, our junior college in town, um, to think about when it comes to the bridge between pornography, popular porn and sex trafficking is the idea of incest porn and the fascination with incest porn um within the the popular uh culture mm. of uh the industry mm. and and because it's always a, a fascinating thing to me that and I always bring up to the students of like hey why is it that we 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 love incest porn like what is it about us as human beings that are into incest why is it always mother father stepdaughter step son stepmother you know it's always all in the family and that's also another uh genre uh uh, or you know um specified genre all in the family you know these these things you know what is it about you know the predatory instinct within us that wants to kind of you know get closer Mm. to 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 um especially the young you know, especially the ones that are young, you know, within the family unit. And, um, and you, but you see that in the book of Genesis. And you, if you just went on in, in the Bible and you just kind of kept going, you're going to just find all this stuff in there, you know. And um, so it's funny. It's, it, it's like, uh, you know, most, most Christians that we talk to, they, they sometimes don't see the obvious that me and you see pretty loud and clear uh, about the Bible and that the Bible is filled with these people that were God's people but really had a lot of sexual issues. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so um you know Running Light kind of has always understood that and 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 so um we we find that sexual immorality issues are common within human beings that uh, within the church these things are I mean, these things should be normal to us. Uh, we shouldn't be shocked by the the sexual um, desires that we might have as human beings. It shouldn't be something weird, or we shouldn't think like, "Oh my gosh, you know, yeah. this is bizarre." It's like yeah. when people in the Bible um, that were God's holy people, mm. um, uh, you know, they uh, also uh, felt the same desires. Right. Right. Yeah, and it makes sense, you know, because you know, sexuality is, you know, we talk about this often, but sexuality in the Bible is really kind of like the first, the first kind of instinct that God placed inside of mankind. You know, when He creates man and woman, you know, as He say, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth." So even in like one of the first things that God ever says to mankind is an insinuation of sexuality. Uh, one of the first things that Adam says to Eve. Uh, when he sees her for the first time, as he says, alas, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And then the commentator on Genesis says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the Apostle Paul and even Jesus comment on this passage later on, and they say that this is referring not just to marriage, but it's referring to sexual intimacy between a man and a woman. So you do see that there's uh, a heavy, heavy... um, emphasis on our sexual nature as human beings throughout the Bible that it is one of the most fundamental uh, parts to our nature because without it there would be no prosperity there would be no progenity you know no children no no continuation of the human race without it so um, it would make sense that it's something so 
so um primeval you know within the human race yeah and you think we would we would do, you know be able to talk a little more about this and and it's you know it's it's amazing but it it's hard for it so bums me out that it's difficult for christians especially mm. you know to discuss like within the marriage unit mm. or just a brother coming to a brother or a sister coming to a sister it just, it, you know, it's so sad, and you know, and I and, and I wish I could say that in the in the thirty years or thirty two years, whatever, of Christianity that I've been involved in the church, you know, it's gotten better or anything like that. And I don't know if it has. I don't. That's another maybe podcast to yeah. to, to to discuss. But but it, you know, it, that we we of all people should be people that are able to talk about these things in a in a real open way and in a, in, a, in a way that's filled with a lot of mercy and a lot of grace and a lot of understanding um you know you know you think of i think of guys that like you yourself that are you know ex-marines that you know you go overseas you know what happens when you go overseas and you're you're in the military you know what what do guys do usually when they're when you know my dad was in the navy you know, and and so he went on, you know, East Pack, West Pack, you know, these things, and yeah. you know, but what, you know, what did they do when they docked? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they they went to the bars. Yeah. They 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 were guys that were hanging out on a on a on a vessel for mm. certain periods of time, and 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 they experienced things, and we all do. We all experience things sexually in our life because we're sexual beings, mm. and. And to, to, you know, I, I, as Christians, we should be able to talk about those things and bring those things up because those are those are things that move us. I mean, sexuality is one of those things that that moves us as human beings mm. um, so much so that we populate the earth through it. Right. You know. Right. Um, so it's not a small motivator. Yeah. You know, it's a huge one in us. Yeah. And it was crazy. I remember. Just a couple weeks ago when we were at the Salvation Army, you know, talking to these guys who, you know, they're, some of them were, you know, were homeless, drug addicts, things like that. Mm -hmm. And when we were talking about just the idea of communicating with the children, communicating with your kids about sexuality, there was a guy in there who raised his hand. You could tell that the other men were like tracking with what he was saying, <laughs> right. where he was like, how do I talk to my kid about sex? And like that, honestly, that kind of shocked me a little bit that he asked that. Because I thought like, oh, this is like a church culture thing. We don't know how to talk about sex with our kids. But when he asked that, I realized like, no, this is this is everybody. This is the world where it's like the best that even the world can do is just kind of be like, hey, use a condom, you know. Yeah. Hey, son, and you could tell, you could tell this guy, this guy was was now a Christian. He's been a Christian for a little while, uh, um, it seemed like. And he he now wanted to approach his kid talking to his kid who was a, like a 15-year-old about sex. But you could tell he was trying to come off heavy-handed right he, right he was trying to come off of like you know sex is you know like or like you know porn's bad and yeah. and porn's evil and and he, he was trying to come from that angle but the, his conflict was that his kid was looking at him like 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 <laughs> like you're a nut dad yeah like like what's your deal you know like why are you coming off all this religious trip kind of thing yeah you know and um, and and so we had that great dialogue, you know, with about 80 dudes, mm. you know, in a room and, and trying to help them understand um, how to talk to their their kids about sex in a positive way. Mm. And a lot of what came out, I think, in that discussion, which was really I, I think would 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 be really beneficial for the church, mm. too, is that the issue of fear kept coming back up. Right. That the reason why people usually talk to their kids about sex or the way that they approach talking to their kids about sex is fear motivated. Mm. And so everything is really there's such a fear of what the person's going to say. And and that's really what prevents a parent from really talking to the child. Because mm. what if your child says, I like porn? What if your spouse says, I like porn mm. or I don't like sex with you? Mm. And we brought those things up with the guys. Yeah. 
and you could see them just like kind of <gasps> taking yeah. the breath. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and that's why, that's why a lot of it. And, and, and it is and in Christianity, man, we go, we kind of go, Hey, perfect love cast out fear, <laughs> but does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Has it, has it really in us? That's right. You know? And I thought that that was like the most intriguing thing about it where it's like, again, looking at, you know, hanging out with my friends, uh, as I did who were, you know, like you said, Marines, highly sexual guys, highly sexual guys, um, talking about sex all the time. That means like high libido, right? Very high libido. Um, you know, guys watching porn regularly, guys who even still owned porn, you know, I don't think anyone really does that anymore, but <laughs> they you know, were guys, so into <laughs> it. They were buying like yeah, CDs. They were buying it, like DVDs <laughs> of it, like loved it, man. Like had, you know, like the sex toys and stuff. And, you know, that's just when you're about real, that's stuff. when you're really hard. Yeah. When you're really hardcore. And even, you know, like I always just assumed, you know, cause of how like brazenly they talked about sex. I assumed that they would have no problem talking about sex with someone that they were with. But communicating with those guys, even when you talked about talking to your partner about sex, what I got from that conversation and when you talked about the fear where it's like, yeah, I think that, you know, even these dudes would be okay talking to their woman about like, you know, I want to, I want you to do this. I want you to wear that. I want you to, but what they're not willing to do, what they're afraid of doing about is having an open dialogue about sex of instead of just saying like, I want you to do this, or I like it when you do this right. to ask her be like, what? you know like are there things that you don't like about me yeah you what know, don't or, you like what don't you like you and know? i brought up like smell i brought up like you know yeah. what if what if your your partner yeah. your spouse says you know we're in a rehabilitation center just right. to give you guys an idea we're we're in a, a rehab center working with guys that are in for six months to a year and um but you know so that's the that's the context of what me and peter are talking about right now um but within that that environment you know saying to those men like hey what if they said to you like hey i i just you stink yeah you know like what would that do to you would you be upset by that mm. um you know uh, and what if it even got more intimate mm. you know and that's the scary part with us is we we you know we we always um you know tend to take the path of least resistance um, in, in these things that really, uh, I don't think we should, mm. you know, I, I, I think, you know, if there's anything that, that we, uh, that I get from the Bible and, 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 uh, is that, you know, God is able to work in our life and, and things are no longer negatives, but they're positives. Like they're, you know, these conversations become positives in Christ. Mm. Like there's things I can learn there's things it's okay i know i'm not perfect i know i have i know i you know i stink yeah, i know yeah. you know i know and, and that's okay it's like and, and i know i'm not the perfect lover and i know i'm not the perfect this and and i could get better and i could think about things better mm. and and but if we, and we should as christians we should know how to do that because right. you know we have been saved yeah. you know that means we know we we need saving right we know we're we're were defective yeah and 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 so it's amazing that we who know we're defective are f offended mm. when we're told that we're defective right <laughs> and and so it's it's kind of like something's missing yeah you know within the culture we're like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's right so which is really bizarro because we're in church all the time and we're we're hearing this you know, and we're hearing, yeah, you're defective. And then if your spouse says anything to you about your defects, you, you get offended right? or you get fearful and that fearful, um, fear it motivates you to, to maybe lash back. Right. Or it, it, it moves you to just move away, mm. you know, from, and I think that's what happens in a lot of marriages. Either there's a lashing out or there's a moving away. Right. And yeah. it works the same way even when they're talking with their kids, right? Right. You know, where it's like that fear causes them either to like lash out at their kids. Like if they're, if they do hear that answer, they don't want to hear, you know, like I do like porn or man, I'm having sex right now with my girlfriend or whatever. There's that lashing out, that fearful lashing out, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember talking about that with the guys, the Salvation Army, and that was, that was pretty intense, you know? 
but it would be cool you know it would be really neat if if we as christians could see that it's like you know how does our heavenly father how does our heavenly father communicate with us you know does he communicate out of fear you know does he is he worried about what responses is he going to get you know and that's not at all what we see you know uh, yeah. I, I like the story of the prodigal son where it's like when the prodigal son says i don't like you i want your inheritance i want to leave the father doesn't freak out you know he's willing to talk to his son and doesn't spank him doesn't spank him <laughs> doesn't lose it on him doesn't like sink into like despair of just like gosh i'm i must be a terrible father for my son to end up like this you know yeah he's just like man this is the decision my son wants to make mm-hmm. it bums me out but here son you know i love you you got to do what you got to do yeah yeah and me and peter both you know we work uh with men at the Salvation Army. This is our fifth year that we're working in the long-term rehabilitation on South 6 in Tucson, that we do that once a week. And so we have about 70 to 80 guys that we get to minister to weekly. And so that's been unique in the ministry of Running Light, that we get a a chance to uh, teach them uh, a, a biblical worldview on sex and sexuality and sensuality. We also have done youth ministry, and I've done youth ministry for probably 25 years. I've been involved somewhat with students, and um, Peter has, for the last seven years, been involved in student ministry. So it's kind of neat because we also get a perspective um, of the uh, a younger generation and that culture as well. So we get to see a lot of issues of students that are raised within the church culture, and what happens when they get married and they now are becoming intimate with their spouses and the difficulties that they have within that environment from being raised in the church and the difficulties that things that were missed when they were being raised within the church, um, things on sexuality that kind of were maybe left out that, um, and we so we've seen a lot of interesting situations, you know, where we see kids. It's funny they get married, and and we've seen kids that because they've been in a kind of a uh, lockdown with their sexuality for so long, they've kind of been like no 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 that they get married and they kind of they kind of struggle mm. with 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 under with feeling okay about sexuality yeah. or, uh, or those type of things are really really coming into a good place with that we've seen things like that right and 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 so we've always saw that there was a really a need e- even within the church within the student ministries to really be open in their in our dialogues more about the things that are sexual within the culture right to talk to them about it and to be open about those things right you know? yeah yeah and uh Another thing that, you know, is kind of coming to my mind in, in this dialogue that we're having right now about sensuality that I see an issue in the church, and I know you do too, is kind of, and it's, it, like I said, it's not unique to the church. I see it outside the church as well when we talk about the issue of sexuality, of, of how many people really want to hear the truth from their spouse about how their sexuality really looks, meaning how many people really want to hear the truth from their spouse about, like, seeing attractiveness in other people. Or, you know, liking other people from the same gender. Meaning, like, is it is it okay with me as a husband if my wife says, hey, you know, I, I really like this person. You know, I really like this guy. I really like hanging out with him. He's funny. He's awesome, you know. Uh, or that person is attractive to me. You know, like that. those things build up a great amount of fear in my heart, you know, as a husband. It's just like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, does she like them better than me? You know, and we've been and we've been we've been, you know, I remember when Peter did a talk like you did one five years ago, maybe (laughs) six years ago. And and we were hammering. I remember at the time we were just hammering this idea um, and everything we taught, everything, wherever we taught, whatever things we were doing, we were just hammering the idea that attraction doesn't mean sex. Right. And we were trying to help people see that. It's like, like, and, and what was happening is in our counseling appointments, like a husband and wife would come in and, 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 and like all the, and he would, she would maybe assume that he wanted to have sex with the women he was watching in pornography. Right. And we kept seeing this 
para- this pattern. Right. And what we were finding when working with the guys is that, and, and like us too, who, who have watched porn before, you know, we were guys that were like going, no, dude, I, we, we don't want to have sex with these people. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not what we were, that's not what this is about. Right. It'd be weird. Yeah, yeah. We'd be scared to death, Yeah, you know, but the idea was, you know, is that attraction doesn't equal wanting to necessarily wanting to be with someone like and so what we found is that the couples like the maybe the wife would be like like walking with the guy somewhere now in the mall and she would be like hey do you do you see that girl attractive she would like fish right for like an an answer and if he said yes she would be bummed yeah and if he said if he said no, she would say you're a liar. Right. <laughs> so lose lose situation. Yeah. Right. And and so and so there was just constant and there and, and obviously the motivations for these things were all fear. Right. There was so much fear that was running everything that you know you couldn't you can't have life when you have fear. You can't have freedom. You all you got is restriction with fear. Mm. That's what fear does is it restricts. Mm. It doesn't bring liberty. And. Uh, we saw something interesting in that in the brother of Jesus in his book calls calls the way of Christ the law of liberty mm. should be freedom there should be something that frees you know so instead of maybe a spouse coming up to the other spouse and encouraging and understanding and things like that we saw just a lot of fear and these kind of things and this attraction leading to sexuality being this common thread right you know and so so you know, you were hammering away. I remember we even did like a, a teaching or a series or something. I think so, yeah. Didn't you do something like that? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And basically uh, the only point that I made is like, you know, what what does God desire for us to be like? You know, and one of the main things that we see in his scripture, like for instance, the one of the main passages we were going off of is in First Peter 1. I believe it's verse 22 where he says, Therefore you having been sanctified by love, love the brethren uh, sincerely with a pure heart. Uh, so there's this idea that God wants us to be able to love the body of Christ sincerely, you know, to, to really have a passionate, beautiful love um, and a purity towards the, the people that are in the body, both male and female. Yeah, like Romans yeah. 12, it says, be affectionate towards one another. Right, be affectionate. And uh, we even brought up the idea of David and Jonathan, mm. where, you know, David says to Jonathan, uh, the love that I have for you is greater than the love that I have for a woman. And a lot of Christians get freaked out by that. They're like, oh, my gosh, like, was David gay? And I'm like, no, David wasn't gay. He was not the best husband. You know, <laughs> Like, that's the only reason why I would look at that statement and be like, yeah, he probably should have said that because at the time he was married, you know, so it's probably not the best thing he could have <laughs> said. But, you know, like when he says that, all he's saying is that he had affection or an attraction towards Jonathan. He loved him, man. He was like, he was very near to David's heart. And they had such a, a wonderful friendship and dialogue with one another. And uh, there was, there's like this fear in Christians today, not only to, to engage in relationships with people from the opposite gender, but also to even engage with relationships with people of the same gender. Right. So we have almost like this homophobia kind of going around in the church of like not wanting to engage and be near and close and intimate with people of the same gender because we're afraid of homosexuality or being seen that way. And then mainly men. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've really heard the same kind of struggle coming from women, to be honest. But um, and then the flip side is also, you know, not wanting to engage with people in the church. And there's obviously like this this. Um, you know, as Peter puts it, he says, do not let your liberty be a cloak for vice, meaning that we have this wonderful liberty in Christ to be able to engage with and enjoy attraction towards other people. Yeah. But he says, don't allow that, though, to be a cloak for what's really going on in your heart, meaning like, don't say, oh, I have a liberty to have attraction for people who are not my spouse. So therefore, I have a liberty to lust after them. Yeah. And that's not what the Bible's saying. What the Bible is saying is that, yeah, like, does God see people as attractive? It's like, yeah, but without lust, like he doesn't lust after them. He doesn't want them for his own selfish desires and purposes. You know, he just, he loves them. Like he cares for them. And that's what he wants to do in our own hearts to purify our hearts so that I could see a sister in Christ and be attracted to her in the sense of seeing her physical, emotional beauty and spiritual beauty, but not wanting her for my selfish ends, not doing what my flesh wants to do and be like, she's hot, you know, and then use her for something that I want.
but instead to be like, man, how do I better this person? Yeah, and what the church seems to do is instead of helping people mature to a place to get to there, right. what we do is we cut them off at the pass, right. and we have these like unwritten rules of yeah. like, you know, hey, let's, hey, Let's just do a fist bump, <laughs> yeah. fist bump. You know, hey, yeah. what's our what's our intimacy going to be like when the, in the, within the church? It's going to be a fist bump. It's going to yeah. be a knee bump. Yeah. It's going to be <laughs> high know, five. It's yeah. going to be a little hug on the side. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, we we cut them off. Right. So so what we're telling people is, you know what, you can't control your your urges. Right. You know, you can't control lust. You you're not going to be able to love properly. Mm. Um, you know, therefore, because of the risk of allowing people to learn mm. and is great because when you when you because some some people will mess up. Right. And some people are going to allow lust to reign mm. and and through that can come abuse. Right. And issues. And there's no doubt about that. Right. And so it's not that there shouldn't be any boundaries at all within any parameters. It's not that either. Right. But uh, the point that I'm making is that sometimes with the unwritten rules, there's all these things that within the church culture that that aren't so much really in the Bible, too. They're not specified so much in the Bible, but they seem to be kind of within the church culture, (laughs) you know, which is far more important, Bo. (laughs) If it's in the church culture, it's more important than the scriptures. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. So so people grow and they get married and they they have all these weird thoughts. Yeah, these weird rules and these weird ideas of what God would think is right and what God would think is wrong, which is crazy because Jesus was very affectionate with women. Yeah. You know, to a point where it made his followers very uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. When you see his disciples, like for instance in John four, where he's hanging out with a woman alone by the well, it says that the disciples were surprised, you know, <laughs> to see him alone. And it's like, you could tell that John is kind of like undercooking it a little <laughs> bit because in that culture, that's unheard of. You would never, a single man would see never the rabbi, be. see the rabbi. Yeah. <laughs> this is the main yeah. spiritual leader. That's right. They were like, what is going on? They were like really freaked out. This is your Jesus head senior pastor <laughs> hanging out with a woman all by herself. That's right. That's right. Or, or having a woman wipe his feet in a very like personal, intimate yeah. way. Or spreading perfume all spreading over perfume him. Spreading perfume on him. Um, pouring things on his head yeah you know and you see the kind of relationship that even like mary of bethany had with jesus that when he's risen from the dead she comes and grabs him you know and she holds on to him and you know things that in our culture would be like whoa you know like i mean i could imagine that if i got done teaching or something like that and a woman in the church came up and just like you know grabbed the hold of me Clinged just on. Just like, you know, crying and just like, oh my gosh, like I'm going through stuff. How the church would look at that and be like, you know, like how, Peter. yeah, how is this happening? You know, and me and yeah. me and Bo even have had conversations, even, even in our own church and our own community about, you know, is it okay for a man to pray with a woman? You yeah. Know? Is it okay for a man to, to talk to a woman? And people, yeah, see people within the church, because the way they, they see things within the church and these unwritten rules, they see a passage like flee youthful lust or let there not be a hint of sexual immorality. And they'll use those verses right. to talk about what we're talking about. That's right. That's so right. they'll interpret like, so, y- so basically what you're saying is you would go to the rabbi Jesus and you would say to him, Jesus, let there not be even a hint of sexual <laughs> immorality. <laughs> I mean, in your life. That's right. I mean, that's what you're, that's what you'd say, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's not saying that we're, we're Jesus, but, and we're not saying that at all. Right. You know, I mean, Jesus is Jesus, right. you know, but there's a pattern there. There's a, there's an idea that we should be able to have some sense of, of, of the work of the Holy spirit, which is love hmm. in, in us where we're able to look at people and 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 it and go hey you know what um you know i can see them in the right way i can see as first timothy chapter 5 verses 1 says i could see that sis that girl as a sister i could see that that boy as a brother i could see that man as a father i could see that woman as a mother right and you know i could see things in the right context right and that's what the holy spirit should be able to do and and is working in our life to be able to put things in a proper context, that's right. So that we're we're um, 
able to get with those people. But what happens is in marriages, people will, um, you know, uh, my wife will go to her soccer game and, 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 and guess what? It's co-ed. And that means there's men around. Right. And my wife is actually um, one of the uh, leaders of adult soccer. So she's kind of important. Right. And so she's talking to guys mm -hmm. and, and she she gets with guys and she sees the same guys and she tends to, you know, she finds that, hey, it's cool to talk to these people. They're cool people. They're interesting people, you know, and 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 guys will uh, maybe a guy will be like, oh, my gosh, like my wife shouldn't be doing that. Right. That's that's a sign of evil. Right. That's a, a sign of when is a sign of of being a friend with someone evil. Right. Uh, you know, when is that a sign of like breaking the covenant, the marriage right. vow? <laughs> that's it, man. That's the, end. <laughs> that's the end. It's like, you know, um, you know, but that's how it's interpreted. Right. It is like, Oh my gosh, you know, um, let there not be a hint, you right. know, um, which, you know, it seems like, we just got a real twisted view of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what you see in the New Testament is you see that the apostles of Jesus had a transformation of their views of intergender roles, meaning that what you see, do you, do you see like the apostles carrying on with what their culture did? Because the culture of the Jews in, in Jesus' day was very strict about dialogue between men and, fe and women. Very, very strict. But you see the apostles starting to kind of buck some of that, you know. You see Paul hanging out with women, you know, like at, uh, when he's at Philippi, you know, one of the first converts to, his, uh, to the church of Philippi were, were women. This is there was no synagogue because there wasn't enough men there. And he's hanging out with them and he's communicating with them. So you see him going against the cultural norms. Um, again, it's not that they were like lusting. It's not that they were in, in engaging in sexual morality or doing foolish things. Like Paul's not, you know, hanging out in some woman's house alone and no. like staying over at her house. And what you have to realize is in in Second Peter chapter two, Peter is addressing those people that claim to be leaders, right? That are doing that are that are lustful, right? In their relationships with women, right? Right. And, and quoting, you know, the liberty that we the have liberty that we have in Christ. That's a, what he's talking as about. an excuse. That's right. So it's like we should we should be weary of that. But it's like, well, here's the real question that I have to have in my own heart as a husband. What do I want for my wife? Do I want her to be merely sexually faithful to me or do I want her to grow in sexual purity in Christ? You know, do I want her to just at the end of the day, at the end of our marriage, I could just say like, well, I know she didn't cheat on me and she never had any relationships with men whatsoever. Or do I want to be like, no, like my wife was able to like fight her sexual lust and be able to communicate with men and be able to develop relationships that were pure and that were good and that were uplifting and edifying. And yeah, she had boundaries. Yeah, she had things in place to make sure it didn't go too far or didn't um, hurt that person's walk with God or her own. But absolutely, she was like working on these things. It's like, absolutely. Like, why, why wouldn't I want that for my wife? You know, and the answer is fear. I would rather be safe than sorry. See, and that's, and that's how religion always works. Right. And that's how religion gets into the Chris, Christian life mm. and gets into Christendom. And that's that's where Pharise the Pharisee mentality slowly just creeps in. And all of a sudden, the whole tide is Pharisee right. ism, you know, where people would rather in your your thing, people would rather play it safe. Right. And they would rather have religion than have true liberty mm. and the risk that liberty brings. You know, because what you're what you're saying, you know, there's religions out there galore mm -hmm. that would take your second, your take your B, which is I would rather have my spouse at the end of the day and at the end of my life go. She couldn't talk to anybody or he couldn't talk to anybody, you know, whatever. And any uh, person of the uh, opposite gender, um, you know, and I know for certain that they didn't have sexual immorality. Um, they would much rather have that mm. and parents would rather have that with their children. Right. You know, than giving the liberty and, and then having the faith to trust that there is a big enough God 
and a loving enough God uh, to convict of sin, righteous, and judgment. Mm. And he can work in their life the way he's going to work in them. And it's my job to lovingly come alongside them and help them grow in their walk with Jesus Christ. Right. You know, and and to keep pointing them to that relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter what decisions that they make. And they could be some really rough ones mm. along the way. But that's what freedom is. And and thing is, is when you when you go back, when we take the ontological argument and we run it back to God and we go, OK, what is God like? Mm. You know, we go, OK, God allows us to do things. Right. He allows us to make decisions. He allow he the risk is great enough right. for God right. to put the guard the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right. in the garden. The risk is great, right. but the risk it was worth the risk. Love is worth the risk, right. and and so you can't have both of those things going on. You can't. God is either gonna make robots, or or there's going to be risk, and there's going to be love. And that's it. And you can't have it both ways. You know, so in a marriage, you have to make a decision. Uh, am I going to love the person? Am I going to let them? Are we going to talk about attraction? Are, are we able to say, hey, that person's attractive and put it underneath Christ and understand what we mean by that? Right. Are we able to talk or, or we can't talk about that? Or are we going to live uh, the Pharisee life? And I, I definitely have a <coughs> weird <coughs> idea that. Many people, you know, maybe maybe us too, we think that we're living in the freedom life, but really we're under the umbrella of the Pharisees. Right. Because it's a sneaky little trap of the <laughs> evil one. It is. You it's know. the ends justify the means. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, like how many how many parents, you know, like when they see their kids beginning to um, you know, develop friends with like the wrong crowd or hang out too much with this other person or, you know, develop it and they freak out and they pull their kid out. They're like, no, like homeschooling, you know, private schooling, you know, you're, you're no more, you know, you're not going to engage anymore. Um, and they, they think that it's holy to do that. And it's like, here are the, here are the, the options. When you treat your kid like that, when you, when you pull them away from that temptation, the options are either you're going to turn your kid into a Pharisee or you're going to basically just extend the time frame of when your kid's going to finally rebel. So once they finally get old enough, they're just going to do what they wanted to do all the time. And now they're probably going to go way off course because now they're not just doing this because they want to, they're doing this to prove that they can. Right. And so they're going to go way hardcore when they finally have the ability to. And that's why it's, it's always the joke about, you know, pastors, kids, or, you know, like the Christian kids who grow up, go to college and just go wild. You know, it's because it's, it's twofold. It's not just that they want to do this, but they want to prove that they can and they, they go crazy. So it's like, you, you kind of put yourself in a lose, lose, which is why Paul says in Colossians two, he says, if you're saved, why do you subject yourself to earthly wisdom? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things of the body. He says, and they have the appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. And I like this one, false humility. Mm. And, but they are of no value, no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Right. So it seems humble to say that. But what's happening is and what, what he's getting at is something really cool that you point out in the book. Yeah. And that is. It seems like you're 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 harnessing the flesh, mm. but really what it's happening is pride. Right. There's an incredible and that's what he saw in himself right. with the the Pharisee that he was. Right. Is that you harnessed everything mm. and but you know what? It didn't do anything to really deal with the fleshly nature. What you did is you just transferred it right. from one thing to another. Right. You know. Right. Which is wild. It's wild. You know, and so what happens is these things that Peter's talking about in his book, which is so cool, is that, you know, when when you parent out of fear or your marriage is out of fear and all these things that are going on when all these things, when you don't understand attraction and how to even talk about that within a marriage or within uh, your kids and, and these issues, then what happens is it just it, it just escalates, you know, fear never stays dormant. People think it does. It's yeah. so amazing, uh, the, the sin of, of fear right. and insecurities. 
because you can't see it on the outside. You know, most of the time you can't see it so much. It's something that resides in there and it's it brings out, it's the motivator for the action. Right. And so people live and parent their whole life that way and they never realize the great sin that it is and what it's done uh, in that kid. So that kid gets married and you think they're, oh, they're married in a Christian marriage. They're doing everything like I'd want them to do. And praise God, it's yeah. everything <laughs> so great. Yeah. You know, and they just, they're everything like that. But really there, there's all these hindrances that are in the, the way they think through things is all through the same fear-based way of approaching everything. Right. And so that, you know, and then then there's all these problems. Then someone goes, oh, my God, I'm viewing pornography. What? You're viewing pornography? How can you view pornography? Right. You made a covenant with me. That is, oh, that's, you're a pervert. Yeah. Like, you know, then all of a sudden there's like this separation. And what it is is it's finally fears, finally coming to the surface and everything. It's always been there. It's mm. always been running the show. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's always been the leading uh, person in the play. Right. And 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 now finally the 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 curtains have gone away and now you can see it all plain as day. Right. right. You know? And and that really is what goes on. You know, and, and so that's when they come to running light and they're like, Hey, fix us. Right. You know, and the problem's porn and you're like no. <laughs> right? Right. The problem's not porn. Right. You know. It's always a shocking thing for people to hear. <laughs> and they're like, what? No, yeah. it is. It's 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 the sexual immorality. You know, and you're like, uh, you know, there's many other underlying things going on. Right. You know, that have been going on. And probably the way you were raised and the way you thought about Christianity and it has an effect into everything as well. Yeah. You know. So, so... You know, Running Light talks about these subjects and, and we like to pick it apart. And so putting it in the workbooks um, really helps us to be able to put our thoughts down on paper and give people the opportunity to um, kind of go through a workbook, write out their own thoughts too, right. and, and start seeing things in a different way. And sometimes, like, you know, what Running Light's doing is really putting a paradigm shift it's really giving people paradigm shifts and they're radical, um, you know, but I wouldn't expect anything different. You know, if it, it you know, the way of Jesus is radical and, and it was a paradigm shift from the, the Pharisee life. Right. It, you know, it was a liberty that freaked people out so much so that they, of course, you know, wondered about this grace and about the gospel of grace and and what that was and and the freedom that it brings and, and stuff like that. So. Um, so that's what the workbooks are about, and we hope you guys can pick Peter's up, especially um, for just everybody and, and to go over these things. Um, I, I just think, you know, it'd be so cool if married couples could go through it. And and I know it's going to be so different from what you guys are used to and, and, and you know, uh, so much of the material that we've gone over and we've looked at, it, it's, it's just so predictable, you know. Um, in so many ways and um, it's nice to to read your book that's so different so um, rooted in sin rescued by love by peter martin you can check that out um, and then again for those that just uh, kind of go hey i need a, a, a workbook that's just going to help me kind of deal with the immediate issue that you're working on with uh, sexual stuff then our main workbook would be good it's really and we have a really cool section in there too on like fasting from intimacy mm. like and we talk about that we talk about you know principles and godly sex that i think are, would be shocking for a lot of people people might read that and go whoa i never really thought about that mm. like like how to really have sex and think about god mm. and 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 bring in the principles that i'm learning about god in the bible to my sex life right um so these things aren't spoken of so that's why running light does it so that's what we're about so it's great to be on the podcast it's great to hang out with you again yeah, man. um it's kind of light and white we need to paint that thing like <laughs> you got to paint that backdrop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know but uh anyway we thank you guys for checking us out we had some good listeners uh with us live and 
this was an hour-long podcast, so it was long, and you guys hung out with us, so we appreciate <laughs> it. So thanks, John, John, Sylvia, Ashley, and our Phoenix buddy, uh, Josh, uh, connected with us, too. And uh, so we appreciate it. You guys take care, okay? If um, you guys do have any questions for us, you can always email Peter at peter at runninglight.org. We'll send them all your way. <laughs> peter at runninglight.org. So you guys take care. We'll catch you hopefully next week, okay? And we're glad to be back on. Bye-bye. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. Whoa!